I just want to talk for a few minutes about the subject of peace this morning. Because we're finishing up our peace series, we've been in here this entire December, uh, we've been talking about it, because the reality is all of us have tensions and stressors and anxieties in our life. Uh, maybe we may be really good at hiding it, but the truth is every single one of us have those things, those tensions, those anxieties in our life, and a lot of times they come to the surface during the holidays. A lot of times they come to the surface where there is no peace, but it just kind of floats up. But for some of us, it could be our health issues, where we just, we kind of realize around the holidays, around this time, we start to realize that we're not keeping up with the pace of life around us. Uh, we begin to struggle with that. Others who are in financial situations, and there's finances that are hard, it's a very difficult time. Uh, it's a very difficult time for us, where there's tension and stress there, or maybe it's your relational life, maybe your marriage fell apart, or there's, there's distance with your kids, or maybe there's relationships that are broken in your life. The reality is we all live with stress and tension in our lives. And yet there's something about the holidays that kind of accentuates it all. There's something about it. I don't think it makes it worse, I just think we're more aware of it. Because in our day-to-day life, we've all come up with coping mechanisms. We've all figured out how to kind of cope and go day-to-day. But then at the holidays, it all comes to a head because we're all stuck together. Come on, somebody. When the demands of the holidays come up, when you have all those things, you have to do that for the kids and the financial things here, and all the parties are working together. And even maybe your health becomes a focus that I'm not living the life or the rich life God has called me to live. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not able to make that one or go there or be there for my family in this situation. And those things begin to wear on us. And so, and so I don't know which situation you find yourself in, but all of us have that stress. Or a lot of times at Christmas we think, well, I want to give my kids a great Christmas, but the finances aren't there, and there's nothing left on the credit cards, and I just don't know what we're going to do, and I don't know if we're going to even make it to the first, and I just don't even know what it's going to be. And some of you are thinking, my God, man, I already spent two years with my in-laws, or two weeks now for Christmas, I don't know how I'm going to last till New Year's, right? Some of you are sitting next to them, right? And I realize it's on somebody. You say quiet name in your heart. We know it's there. We know. But, but so we're just saying, man, I don't know how I'm going to deal with the stress of all of this. I have no clue because it gets more dysfunctional. It's not that it's more. It's just that we become more aware of it over the holidays. We just become more aware of it. But where are we going to go for Christmas? And whose feelings are we going to hurt? And where's, you know, this is all those things come to the surface that have been kind of brooding the entire year. And it causes stress and tension. And a lot of people's lives, certainly, there's no peace. There's, there's no peace. peace. They're not peaceful. In fact, there's almost nobody left. If you think about this for a moment, there's almost nobody left who would answer that question, how's your life going, by saying, I just got peace. Think about it. There's probably nobody that you could ask is just like, man, I have peace all the time. I am just in perpetual peace. And you just want to slap them. Come on, somebody. Just... But honestly, the truth of the matter is we should all be that person. The Bible says that peace is available to every Christian. That is available to us. And so if it's available, but most of us aren't experiencing it, then where's the disconnect? Where is the disconnect in that that there's going to be peace? So in this series, we've just been tackling that. That's been the big question of how do we achieve peace if we're not experiencing it? How do we achieve it? So where have we been? I'll kind of walk you through it. In step one, we, we looked at the book of Luke. We looked at the announcement of the Messiah. And we looked how that phrase that we usually put on our Christmas cards, peace on earth, actually doesn't appear in the Bible. Or actually, it appears once in the Bible, but it's not where you think. The phrase peace on earth appears once, and it's when Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. And it's kind of funny, I like that part of myself. But then in chapter 2, where we think it usually appears, the angels appear to the shepherds, and they say, Glory to God on high, in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Or in other words, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So we looked at that in step 1, or in week 1. And in fact, this morning I wanted to draw your attention to a prophecy about Jesus that kind of furthers that idea of whom his favor rests. Because it's a prophecy 700 years before Christ came. 700 years, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this, watch this. And he said, for unto us a child is born, 
To us, the Son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And here's what I want to focus this morning, the Prince of Peace. That he would be known as the Prince of Peace. And I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about the Prince of Peace, that Jesus came to bring us peace. That he is the Prince of Peace. Two words there for Prince of Peace, two words in the Hebrew that represent that name, or that phrase, Sar and Shalom. And Sar, the first one there, it means the one in charge, the Lord, the chief, the general. It's where the Russians get the word Tsar. It's where we get the word Caesar. It's the one in charge. So sometimes you think of Prince as just Prince, and it's not this, but this is the one in charge, the general. And then Shalom, most of you are familiar with that. Rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness, contentment. So Jesus came to be the general in charge of our completeness, in charge of our tranquility, of our rest. He came to be in charge of that. He came to bring peace. He's the one who leads us to the rich life that he's called us to live. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Sar Shalom. And so I just want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that if he came to bring this peace, if he is the Prince of Peace, then why do most of us, why do a lot of us still not experience that peace? And how can we get there? What are we being called to? Because we live in a world that all of us see is devoid of peace. We live in a world that all of us... I mean, you ever see... You ever look at people on the boxing day, right? Day after Christmas sales. You ever see people who are just at peace? You ever be at the mall? Or Black Friday, come on, somebody. You ever looked in their eyes and thought, these people at Walmart, they have got the ticket on peace. They just... They have got it all figured out, right? You ever look... Nobody... There is no peace. There is no... There is trampling. There is no peace. I was laughing on Friday night. A friend of mine is at Disney World right now with his wife and his kids. They're at Disney World. Even right now, this morning, they're going out in one of the parks. And they're posting pictures and sending these pictures. And I'm just, I'm dying laughing because of all these people. The people in the front are smiling. But you look at every other person around them. Every other person in these theme parks. If you've ever been to an amusement park or you've been to Disney World, you look around, you never see anybody who's at peace. Anybody, right? They say it's the most magical times, the most magical place. You are all there. Spending the same money, standing in the same lines, right? Just screaming, shouting, sweating. Come on, somebody yelling at each other. And then at the end, what do you say? That was nice. That was fun, right? That was, we should do that again. That was really, and you say, it's the most magical, it's not magical, it's horrible. Come on, somebody. It's, there is no peace. There is no peace. The reason is, is we have missed out on the last part of that announcement that the angels gave when they said, Peace on earth, peace on earth, but on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. On those whom God's favor rests, there's a caveat there. He didn't, bring, he didn't come to bring world peace. He came to bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. There is a caveat in Scripture. In fact, I think that we mess up the definition. In fact, I know that we mess up the definition of peace. Because we start to believe in our lives that if we could just change the circumstances around us, then we would have peace. We begin to, to make that definition of peace into circumstances. Instead of the promise God has actually made. And so that's what we talked about in week two. If I could just figure out a way to stay away from all these people, all these humans on Christmas, I could have some peace. If I could just figure out a way to shut the door, lock the door, bolt the door, if I could just get these people out of my life or change my circumstances, I would have peace. And yet some people are dealing with crushing loneliness and maybe fractured families and dysfunctional relationships. And they're saying, if I could just have some family at Christmas, I would have peace. Or there are those of us who are thinking if my career would just take off because I'm grinding and I'm working and I'm really trying hard but nothing's getting traction and I just, if I could just get my career on track, I could have some peace in my life. And some of you are saying your career is exploding and you're just like, if things would just slow down, then maybe I could experience some peace. If I could just, you know, bring that back and not have to work that and do, maybe I could experience peace. And we take that into every area of our life. 
That false, that false definition of peace, we put it in every area from our finances to our kids to every area to our health. We fall for the lie that if I could somehow change my circumstances, that's how I would experience peace. So we talked about that in week two, but if peace is a gift to people on whom God's favor rests, if peace is a gift that is given to people on whom the favor of God rests, then peace wouldn't be the absence of something, it would be the presence of someone. If peace is given as a gift, then it wouldn't be the absence. It wouldn't be trying to get a circumstance out of your life or a person out of you. It wouldn't be the absence of something, but the presence of someone. Because here's how I want to end this series. And that is, there is no peace apart from Jesus. There is no peace apart from Him. And so I want to bring you a message about peace. I want to finish this off, give you a capstone message to the peace series. Then I have to give you a message about Jesus. Because He is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who brings our peace. There is no peace apart from Him. There is no peace apart from In fact, our verse in John 14 says, My peace, in John 14 says, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave to you. My peace I give. My peace I give. And if you, if you understand that it is His peace, that He is peace, then a lot more verses start to make sense as you read your Bible. A lot of things start to make a lot more sense as you read your Bible, but you understand it's His peace and that He gives it. His gift isn't that the world would automatically be at peace. His gift is that we would be at peace in the world. That we would have that in our hearts, in our position, in our relationship with Him, we would experience peace. And that means there would be no situation, there would be no condition, there would be no, no environment, there would be nothing that we would find ourselves in where we would be unable to access His peace. There would be no place that you're in today. I don't know what your situation is, but I know that there is no situation where you cannot access His peace. We finish week two with this verse that David prays in Psalm 23. And he, and he said, said even, even though I walk through the darkest time, even in the darkest part of my life, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And watch this, watch what David says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, I'm convinced our theology is wrong because we pray prayers like, God, would you destroy my enemies? God, would you just bring back the plagues, right? I know they happen in the Old Testament. I need to pray a few of those myself this week, right? God, would you bring me in and pray these prayers? God, would you destroy my enemies? Would you take me from the storm? God, would you bring me out of this thing? Would you just take me out of it so that I can experience your rich peace in my life? But God doesn't do that. God doesn't eject us from the storm. Instead, God joins us in it. God joins us in the storm. He joins us in the midst of the trial. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. There's peace. Because he is with us. Because we want prevention from trouble. God gives provision in trouble. When we pray our prayers and we have our theology twisted up, we want prevention from trouble. We begin to pray prayers like that, but God gives provision. Not only that, he gives his presence. He's with us in the midst of the storm. And so God says, I'm not going to take you out of the midst of the storm, but in the midst of it, I'm going to stand with you and you can have peace. You can have peace in your life. So you be feasting in the middle of your enemies. You be feasting in the middle of your chaos, and not your soul is at peace. In the middle of whatever it is, you're feasting, your soul is at peace, not because your situation changed, not because your conditions changed, but because the presence of God is there. That's a good preaching, brother. Amen. Somebody, all right. When we think about the stories in the Bible, that's true. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We sang that song today, another in the fire. That's, that's where it comes from. You think about them. They come, and the king, Nebuchadnezzar, stands up, and he says, okay, you're going to bow to the statue, or we're going to throw you in the fire. They say, okay, we don't care what you say. We don't care, you can, you can burn us, okay, we're not going to bow to the statue. So they bind them up. My prayer on the way to the furnace would be, God, kill the king. Come on, somebody. God, put the fire out. Kill this joker behind him before he throws me in the fire. Come on. Lord, that'd be my prayer on the way, but that's not what God did. It said God joined them in the furnace. 
So there was a fourth one walking around with them. In the furnace, and all of a sudden they come out of there in great influence and revival sweeps across the nation. Something incredible happens. I think about Daniel in the lines there where Daniel has this prayer life that he begins to become persecuted for. And they set a trap for him that he walks into eyes wide open because he's not going to stop praying. And so, and so they bring him, him and they're going to throw him into the lion's den. And just like anybody else alive, his prayer should have been, God, kill the cats. Come on, somebody. Because <laughs> that's a prayer that you should pray. God, kill, kill all the cats. Come on, son. I'm going to get you all mad at me. I'm going to go after everybody today. But God doesn't kill the cats. I don't know why. But God doesn't kill the cats. He shuts their mouths and something incredible happens. There's a revival that comes to the I think about Joseph from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison. But all along the way, he's just praying. God never ejects him from the trial. He said he joins him in the midst of it. You read your Bible. Every place he goes, it says God was with Joseph. That God was with Joseph. He makes a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table for me that even in our most horrific moments, even in those moments of life where you think nothing good can come, God can turn it for the good. That God can change it for the good. And it doesn't matter on our circumstances. It doesn't matter on our conditions. It is the presence of God. It is the Prince of Peace in our lives. That's why Ephesians chapter 2 says this in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Not that he's gone again, not that he had, not that anything. He is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So here's my point for you today. If you don't hear anything else, that is, it is impossible for you to have peace without connecting authentically, powerfully, genuinely with Jesus. It's impossible. You can try anything else you want to try. You can do anything else you want to do. It is impossible for you to have peace in your life without connecting with Jesus. Because He is peace. He is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. So my goal is for you to know today the Sashalom. For you to know the Prince of Peace. That's what I want for you to pursue Him. That while the storm rages around you, while your finances may not be what you like, while your health may not be where it could be, while all these things are around you, all these things that you're not seeing, you would still be able to access peace. Because just because your life isn't where you think it should be, and just because you haven't yet seen the promise of God come to pass in your life, doesn't mean that you can't access peace. You can still have peace in the midst of the storm. So I'm going to give you three truths. We're not going to talk very long. But just three things that i found that can connect you to Jesus. And I guarantee you, if you do these, peace becomes a byproduct of them. You want peace in your life, it becomes a byproduct of these. That you wouldn't be pursuing peace anymore, you would be pursuing Him. And then the peace would come along with it. Because He is peace. So I want to see how it looks like to live a life that would connect with Jesus. Because our circumstances aren't always going to play ball. Our conditions aren't always going to be how we like them, but we can still have peace. Three things. Number one, the first one, we would submit to His Lordship. That we would submit to His Lordship. Acts chapter 10. Verse 36, the Bible says, you know this message that God sent to the people of Israel, watch this, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is, say this part with me, who is Lord of all. Come on, one more time together. Who is Lord of all. Come on, read it like you can read. Who is Lord of all. There we go. Group participation. You love it. I know you love it. It's good for you. It's good for you, everybody. He wants to be the Lord of all. In fact, he is the Lord. We have to understand this principle that if he is not the Lord of all, he is not the Lord at all. God will never take second place. God is never going to take second place in your life. He's the Lord of all. And he wants us to completely surrender our lives to him. Now, here's the deal. The Bible is God's opinion about life. You might not realize this, but God has an opinion about life. He has an opinion about my attitude. He has an opinion about my work ethic. He has an opinion about my marriage. He has an opinion about my sexuality. He has an opinion about my finances. 
He has, he has an opinion, opinion about parenting. Everything else is all written in God's Word. God has an opinion. And where He has an opinion, I lose the ability to have one. Because I'm submitted to His life. And I truly want the peace of God and the favor of God in my life. And I have to do this thing that's honestly not all that favorable or all that popular in today's culture. And I have to submit. I have to submit to what God says. Now think about it for a minute. Submission isn't submission until you have to submit. Come on, somebody write that. that. Say that five times fast. Submission isn't submission until you have to submit. Because when I agree with what God says, that's just called agreement. That's just agreement. I agree with him. If I say to my son, son, I want you to sit at this table, and I want you to eat every last donut that is in that box, he's going to say, yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Yes, sir. But if I say, son, I want you to stop running around with your Star Wars lightsaber, and I want you to brush your teeth and clean off your bed and get ready to sleep. Now he has a decision to make. Now, now he's, he's going to decide what he's going to do because he might not like what I say. He might not understand what I'm asking. Dad, my teeth are just going to get dirty again. And if I don't have my toys on my bed, I can't play with them in my dreams. These are conversations we have had. All right, everybody. He has, a, he has an opportunity. Why do I have to turn off my Nintendo? Why do I have to clean my toys? I'm just going to play with them again tomorrow. I'm just going to, I can leave them in that place. Why do I have to do all this? The answer is because I have a plan for your life, say it then. I have a good plan for If you want to live to see the blessing that God has for your life, you will listen to your Father. Come on, somebody. You will obey. Submission. There's some things in Scripture that I might not like. Some things that I might not agree with. Some things that I might not think are culturally relevant. Certainly not popular in today's world. But when God has an opinion, I lose the right to have one. Because Jesus said, watch this verse. Jesus said in Matthew, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. It's not a message we often preach, by the way. It's not, not one that usually many people in Christianity get into and thinking, okay, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to pay for my sins. And, you know, I love that Jesus did that for me and has really good things for me. And that sounds great, but I'll do that. But we don't necessarily want to submit to the things that we don't like about Scripture. We don't want to submit to the things. But the Bible says if we'll follow His system, it's called righteousness, if we'll follow His. Watch this verse in Psalms. If we'll follow His righteousness, surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor. As with a shield. It's kind of like this umbrella. Thought I'll give you guys a little wake up. I think I woke up about half of you right now. It's kind of like this umbrella that we come into a relationship with God. We come into a relationship with Him. We come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And now He's covering His righteousness. When we come under His principles, they cover us like a shield. They cover us like a shield. I'm under the Lordship of Christ. But most people want Lordship without submission. Most people, they want the protection, but they don't want the sacrifice. They don't want to actually submit to it. And so we think, yeah, I'll give my heart to Christ. I'll follow Jesus. That sounds like a great idea. Like, I'm, I'm in it. Okay, that sounds really nice. But they say, well, wait, you want me to, you want me to, what? You want me to stop listening to my explicit music? Well, I don't know. I'm, I kind of like the way that rhythm sounds, right? I kind of like how that, how that feels. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not giving that. That's crazy. And you, you want me to, you want me to stop hanging out with the friends of mine that I, you know, try to get me in the club and get me drunk every weekend? And I'm not going to do that. People, I like those friends of mine, right? I've had those friendships for a really long time. And you, you say, well, you don't want me to have sex with anybody that I don't want to have sex with? Am I a priest? Come on, because I'm just cutting on all of it. It's okay. What do you, you don't want me to, you want me to tithe? I'm not going to tithe. That's just crazy. You want me to serve? I'm not serving. You want me to love people who hate me? You want me to forgive people who are mean to me? Come on, I'm not going to, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just, I'm not that. And then we say, this Christianity stuff, it just don't work. I mean, I'm, 
I'm stressed out all the time. I'm broke. Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I'm just always running. I'm addicted to all this stuff. And God's word doesn't work. We want lordship without submission. It doesn't work. I can't watch what I want, listen to what I want, hang out with whom I want, do whatever I want, sleep with whomever I want, and expect the blessing and the favor of God to be on my life. There will be no peace apart from Jesus. But we come into a relationship with Him. So what do we have to do? We come into a relationship with Him. We have the Lordship. We submit to His principles. Whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not, we come into that religion. We come into that relationship. Whether I like it or not, whether I agree with it or not, whether I think it's relevant or not, God has an opinion. God has an opinion. Where He has an opinion, I give up my right to have one because I want the favor and the protection of God in my life. Whether I agree with it or not, I want the protection. If I stay in His principles, I submit myself. If I stay in those principles of God, then I have that favor and that protection because I understand that whether I like it or not, that God will work out everything for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Are called according. A lot of times we don't finish verses, but are called according to His purpose. And those who love Him, called according, have to have His lordship in our lives. Number two, if you're taking notes today, jot this down. First one is we have to have His lordship. Second one is we have to seek His presence. We have to seek his presence, not just his principles. God wants us to have him. God wants us to have him. Second Thessalonians says it this way. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. The Lord be with all of you in every way. How does he do? How does he give us his peace? He's with us. How did he give peace to Joseph in his circumstances? He was with Joseph. How did he bring peace to his earth? He came. He was with us. There's this little miracle that takes place every Sunday for most people who come to church here. Honestly, I think it's the reason that you come back. And that is, there's a moment every Sunday, there's a moment throughout the message, certainly in worship, there's a moment where you can just kind of breathe again. And I don't know when you experience that. Each person has had a different time, maybe, or a different moment. But I experience it every single Sunday where there's a moment where you can just kind of breathe again, where your mind kind of realizes and you think, okay, I can actually make it. I can do it. And God has a chance to reach out and speak to you. What is that? That's the presence of God. That's the presence of God where you experience that. And we plan our Sundays accordingly. We do everything we can from the setlist to the songs to the messages that we bring that you would have that moment. Not that you think that we're great. But that, that you would experience the presence of God. I need you to experience the presence of God. Because there's something that happens when heaven touches our lives. There's a peace that comes when he's with us. There's a peace that comes that you can't get anywhere else. And so every single Sunday that's available to you, you're in victory. But you don't have to come just on a Sunday to get that. You can have that in your own homes. You can have that in the car when you're singing in the shower, when you're hiding in the closet from your kids. Come on, somebody. You can have that. You can have that moment, that peace. You can have that presence of God in your life. And this, and this is a practice, practice I embrace regularly. I would encourage you to do it as well. And that, that is when things become too much for you. When the stress of life and the anxiety, maybe don't even let it get that far, but you begin to seek God's presence. That whenever things start to ramp up, you pull out of that and you get into His presence. Put on some worship music, whatever it is that does it, whatever it is that you can get all that stuff out of your mind, lay it to the side, let it melt away, and you're in the presence of your God. That His presence brings peace. Presence brings peace. You get in the presence of God, it balances things out. You may not notice, but every addiction, every escape, try to escape, everything that people try to do to try to mask that is just a fabrication, just a substitution for the presence of God. Watch what Paul says 
And if you're he says, do not, not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. One translation says, which ruins your life. So don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, Instead of filled, that's everything that we do that tries to take the edge that we think will bring us peace. We think that will mask over that edge of life. Everything that we do is just a substitution. I think it's interesting that Paul says here, don't do this. Instead, do this. So don't do this. Don't try to mask the pain. Don't try to take the edge off of life. Don't do all this. Instead, do this. Because it's all fabrication, it's all fabrication, because God's presence is what actually brings peace. And any time that you, any time you settle for the copy, you will never have the real. Any time you settle in your life for the copy, you will never have the real. You'll never have God's presence, because God's presence is the only thing that's designed to bring you peace. Designed to bring peace, and when we access it, we would find peace. It's my prayer for you, every weekend when we come here. Every Sunday when we come in here, that you would find peace, that as the storm of life rages around you. That as the storm rages, that you would be able to stay, not because of your conditions, but because you're under his lordship, because you have his presence. In fact, the Bible says that his peace passes all understanding, that it will guard your hearts and your minds, and his peace will guard it. That it'll come and it'll guard your hearts, and it'll guard it, and it would set up a protection that when the world would rage, and when your life would rage, that it would protect against you. So I'm going to submit to his lordship, I'm going to seek his presence. Then the final one as we close, we have to stand in his power. We have to stand in his power. Some of you are listening to this right now and thinking, okay, Pastor, I'm going to do that. Right? I'm going to listen to more worship music. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to cut that out. And I'm going to stop doing this. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to work harder. You're making a checklist, but that's not what God asks. It's not what he wants us to do. He's not interested in you trying harder. He's interested in you trusting him more. There's a difference. He's interested in you trusting him more. Because the thing of it, we are caught up in the idea that we have to earn God's approval. If we have to earn his approval, if we work a little harder, we commit a little more, we get a little bit further, the Bible says it's not by might, not by power, but by spirit. So if we get that into our minds, that it's not by our might, it's not by us trying, 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 really, really hard, but it's by the power of him that lives inside of us. If we begin to recognize that, that that power is available to you, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. Watch this verse in Isaiah 32. It says, the fruit of that righteousness... The fruit of that right standing will be peace. Its effect, watch this, will be quietness and confidence forever. God wants to give you a quiet confidence that you can live life with. Confidence in what? You say confidence that doesn't depend on me. Confidence that it's not my effort, it's not my hard work that does it, not all of that. This is what I want for you. When you access the power of God, you understand that it's available for you. This power that He promises us in Scripture it lives inside of you. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in your heart. No matter how your environment or your structure, no matter how things go, how many other people are running around crazy, how many other people are thinking, well, this is just nuts, and I've got to rage, and I've got to do this and do that, and anxious and strife of everybody else. Where you begin to, you begin to feel that come up inside of you as well. You begin to, it's almost catching you. You say, well, I've got to get my kids on that team. And I've got to be at that meeting, and I need to get that approval, and I need them to like this post, and I've got to pull that post down because I don't want people to see it. And I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I need that promotion, and I need that thing. And you begin to rage inside. Instead of that, you can just live at peace. You can say the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of me, that no matter what my environment is, no matter what other people choose to do, you have a quiet confidence with which you live your life. You have that peace inside of you. You're living by God's principles. And when you feel like life is flooding in against you, the Bible says God will raise up a standard against it. And when you feel like all those things are coming down and crashing down, you have this confidence knowing it doesn't depend on me. It's not by my might. It's not by my It's by spirit. Romans 15, as we close, says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. 
so that you may overflow with hope. Not by your effort. Not by your, your striving, your trying hard, and all those things. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you. You know the devil will come and try to steal your hope. When you're not at peace in your life, and you're not in the presence of God, you're not submitted to his lordship, the devil will try and kind of whisper in your ear. Well, your health will never recover, and your family's never going to get put back together, and your marriage is never going to come back, and your children will never come home. And they begin to whisper these things to try to steal your hope. Trust is still from when we access the power of God. There's this thing that floods into our hearts. It says, may it overflow with hope. When you have that peace of God, you have that connection with Jesus, your life overflows with hope. Hope the devil can't take from you. No matter what he tries to whisper here, you have that quiet confidence in your heart that you know that God's will will be done. That he's going to work all things together. That his will will be done. I don't know what situation you found yourself in this week. You may have gotten thrown right in the middle of a fire. You may be surrounded by cats. Come on, somebody. I don't know what you may be experiencing. I don't know what the situation is, but I do know that God wants to give you a quiet confidence with which to live your life. That there is a peace when you connect with Jesus. You may be like Joseph where he went from the pit to Potter's house and out of prison and it's getting worse and worse, but I guarantee you are one step away from the palace that God has a promise for you. God has a purpose for your life. So let the peace of God rule in your life. The Prince of Peace, the Star Shalom. Let him do in your life what you cannot do yourself. And that peace is for those on whom his favor rests. It's for those who submit to his lordship. Those who seek his presence and those who stand in his power. Bow your heads with me this morning. I just want to pray that you would begin to experience the peace of God. I just want to pray over this congregation that we would begin to experience His peace in our lives, no matter what the circumstances are. But before we do that, there are those of you who are here today who have not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You haven't submitted to His Lordship, and I want you to know it starts there. Maybe you've done the Christian thing, you've showed up at church, done some religious stuff, you've held on, but you've held on to places in your life. You've held on to different areas that you've tried to grip onto. And I want you to know that if he's not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Because God will not take second place. The good news is if we'll surrender to him, if we'll submit to him, if we'll give up of our lives, we'll give it to him, his peace will flood our lives. His lordship will be our protection, his covering. And I want you to experience that today. So I'm just inviting you to surrender. I'm inviting you to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I want to connect you to Jesus. Everything else starts with your relationship with Him. Every other part of this, every, every part of peace, every part of tranquility, every part of a quiet confidence, it all comes from your relationship with Him. Submission to His Lordship. So if that's you today, no one else is looking around, every head is bowed. But if you say, I want to submit, I just ask you to make the bold step right now, just lift your hand wherever you are. If you say, that's me. Say, I want to submit to his lordship. That's you today, say, I want to pray that.
Guys, we're going to pray with that one. But if that's you, heaven knows if you want to make that decision. We're all going to pray this prayer. You say it with your mouth, you mean it with your heart. If I didn't see your hand, heaven saw it. So come on, church, we're going to pray this prayer of submission. Just say these words, dear Jesus. Please forgive me today. I surrender my life to you. Make me brand new. I submit to you. I trust in you. Today I give you my life. Come and live inside of me. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Now God, I pray. I pray that your peace would come upon our church. Every person here today, every person watching online, God, that your peace would begin to come upon us. That as we go through stormy seasons, Father, if there are some who are experiencing health issues or marital issues or relationship issues or financial issues, whatever it is, I pray, God, that the Prince of Peace, that your favor would rest upon us. God, we know that we can never do it without your power. We know we cannot do it without your presence, and so we submit to your Lordship. We ask for that covering on our lives. Lord, I ask that you would give a quiet confidence to every person to live their lives with. That you would be our Sashalom, our Prince of Peace. That you would bring completeness. And that the storms of life may rage on the outside, we have found our Savior who gives us a peace that cannot be taken from us. Who overflows us with a hope that cannot be stolen from us. We thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and the lives of us. We thank you for the peace that you're pouring out. That we will enter this new year with a renewed sense of submission, a renewed sense of our Lord Jesus. And ready for the blessings that you want to bring in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's church say amen. And amen. Can we put our hands together for God's